Hello, everybody. This is Carol Huber Sanic, and I'm back. I'm here with a brand new episode of The Nearness of You. I apologize for being gone for so long, but you know what? Sometimes you get sick, and sometimes it lingers and it lingers, and then it affects your voice. I still have sinus issues, it's been brutal. I've had it for now three weeks, I think. Yeah, three weeks. Nobody wants to be sick. But as promised, I'm finally back, and I'm back with Chris Griffith, who does a lot of work as a guardian for the Honor Flight. Chris and I sat down in a hotel room down in Bonita Springs, where she lives. My husband and I were there for a getaway weekend, and we talked about the work she does and the work that her friend Jerry does, and how important it is to her to bring veterans to Washington, D.C. It's important to me. I just wish my dad was still here so that he could partake in an honor flight. I miss my dad a lot. But in the meantime, in the meantime, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this show because Chris shares with you her reasons, the depths of her feelings for being a guardian with Honor Flight. Hello, everybody. This is Carol Stanick, and here I am today with a friend of mine, Chris Griffith, who has been a friend of mine for a number of years. How many years do you think we've been friends, Chris? You know, I don't know. Several. Yeah. Several. Several is a good... Seven, seven, maybe. Seven. Possibly lucky, number, lucky number seven? I guess so. Yeah, I like lucky number seven. Chris is a realtor. I'm a realtor, and we met... That's how we met. We met through being realtors, but Chris has gone off in a different direction, too, with her life, although she's still selling homes and listing homes and down here in the lovely area of South Florida on the west coast of Florida in mm-hmm. Bonita Springs. But And I've moved on to podcasting and blogging and other things like that. I hold a license only so I can help Larry, you know. Oh. When he needs help, that's the only reason I keep my license active <laughs> and take my 14 hours, you know, every two years open book test, by the way. Open right. Book test. Mine came in the mail today. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I invited Chris to be on a couple of weeks ago, and we tried it, and it didn't work well. We had some sound issues. So I've brought her back. I knew I was coming down her way, and I brought her back to talk about the Honor Flight, because Chris is a guardian with Honor Flight, and she actually had a flight last weekend, so why don't we start there and talk about that, because it was very emotional for me to watch you and to watch your friend Jerry present the wreath at the tomb Mm -hmm. of the Unknown Soldiers, so... Well, that was that was actually my fifth flight. My first flight was in May of last year, 2015, and... um, I've gone on a couple since then. This was the fifth flight. Uh, you sign up in this area with Collier County Honor Flight um, to be a guardian, and the charge here locally is $425 uh, for you to be able to fly up for the day, and you get issued a Korean War veteran or a World War II veteran. You get to meet them a few days before the flight, and you take them to Washington for the day, and it is a whirlwind day that even, I, I don't know, my last my last veteran, he is... I think emailed me every day and can't talk without tearing up because he can't believe how smoothly it runs, all that we get to do in one day, and everything about the day, I guess. 
And he just kept saying, you can't possibly surprise me again. You can't possibly. And there are all these things built into the program that they aren't expecting to happen that are just a great time. I watched your videos, and uh, Larry watched with me, and the one where you laid the wreath at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldiers, which I have visited, and Larry has never been there before, but we will be in Washington the first week of November, and hopefully we will get over there, but our main goal is to get to the World War II Memorial Mm -hmm. before my conference starts the next day, and I'm going to interview some park rangers. Oh, good. Uh, that's what I was told to ask for. I was told to ask for park rangers, and I will also interview anybody who wants to be on the show. I mean, oh, if sure. they're going to see me there with a microphone, because I will take my full-blown microphone, you know, type deal, set up, and I will stick it in people's faces and say, do you have a comment? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Would you like to make a comment on this, and, and what brought you here today, and who's your veteran, and, and, you know, questions like that, so that we can get more interest in the honor flight, and also interest in the fact that so many of these men and women have never felt honored right and that's the that's the beauty of the whole thing well i guarantee you if you go up on a saturday um you would when i say for example our honor flight goes up there are typically two or three other honor flights it is all orchestrated by the parks department so you don't do anything as an honor flight you just don't show up they have you get a time assigned to you most importantly for arlington and you work around that schedule so if they say you're there at 2 30 to 3 15 You juggle around the other memorials if a parade gets in your way or something happens and you can't get to a particular memorial. You always make sure you get to Arlington on time because the Parks Department tells you when you can be there. They don't want all the honor flights showing up anywhere at one time. In our honor flight, and I would imagine others, actually hire park police. Um, You go with sirens and lights everywhere or you would get nowhere in Washington. So, you know, the the veterans are thrilled that they're getting this honor. They typically land with the the airport fire department trucks spraying them with water. There's an arch of water that welcomes them to the airport. And from that point forward, they are escorted by police officers everywhere they go. What made you want to do this? You know, I think um, we had a Rotary Club, somebody come in as a guest speaker at my Rotary Club. And I think I filled out an application. It was probably two years, a year and a half before they worked their way down to me. And I got a call one day and I decided to go. And then, you know, it was so much fun. And people will say, well, you know, it's $425, which I know is a lot of money for some people. But it's $425. And what you see in one day in Washington would probably take you three or four days plus hotel. What can a hotel run you every day in Washington? And what does it cost for you to eat every day in Washington? And, you know, the meals are included. You know, they RVs or wrap sandwiches or whatever. So you basically get a four-day trip of Washington in one day for $425. And you get to spend it with war heroes that are... The, the greatest generation that still say please and thank you and are appreciative and they smile the whole time. And I don't know when anybody's ever had an experience like that in the recent past. So, you know, sign me up. I'll go again and again. Was anybody in your family in the war? No, no. You know, I know my father served in the Army. He died, I think, when I, I was 17 or 18. So I don't really know much about him. And my my both of my parents were the babies of their families. So I've never had grandparents. So I've never had grandparents, and their siblings have passed away. So I I just, I always say I'm kind of like a little orphan. I mean, my brothers, I've got two brothers, but I rarely get to see them, and there's no other family. So, yeah, we don't have a, my my older brother serves in the Air Force. 
And that's that's the the extent of the people in my family that served. Wow, I mean that I know about. I'm so impressed. That, you know, <laughs> it just. I mean, if anybody would have said to me seven years ago, you know, Chris Griffith is going to do honor flights, I'd have gone. Paddle, me too. Paddle boarding Chris Griffith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. With her, with I one know. of her crazy dogs. Or oh my <laughs> yeah. god, I know, I know, I know. You must miss your dog that day, though. <laughs> that dog is everywhere with you. Seriously, people, that dog is everywhere, including on the paddle board. Seriously. I know. Is there a way we can smuggle the dog on board the flight and take it? You know, it's as the as only as thing as he hasn't done. Only because he's he's got he's a vocal dog, so I have not dared to take him on a plane. <laughs> you know, does do any dogs show up? Like dogs that have been in the service, so to speak, of do they should the service dogs show we, we up? We haven't had that, but our last um, the we had a flight in June uh, because I help out now with on our flight, or I was ground support because every person on the June flight was a female veteran. So the veterans that went had served in Korea or World War II, and the guardians had served. Um, Desert Storm and Iraq, or just served in the military, including one service dog. So there was a service dog on board. How interesting. Did it behave? Oh, of course. Everybody behaved. And actually, even the pilots were female and they had served. And it was the first flight that we did out of the Naples airport. They were going, it's a municipal airport. They decided to let some commercial flights go in. So they had a airline contact them directly and say, we'd like to offer, you know, a discounted package to get these gals up to Washington and took them all to the Women's Memorial and let them register. You can register your service, what you did and how you served, so that it is saved there for posterity. Now, they don't have to pay. The, the veterans do not have to pay. Okay. And on that one, I don't even believe that the Guardians paid because it was an all-lady, female veterans flight. So how does where does the funding come from for the You know, some of these flights, like the last flight we had, I think it's eighty about $80,000. It's a lot of money. So the, there's, It's a charter, right? It's a charter. Yeah. Um, and actually, we had some unsuccessful charters with... Some airlines, and the best one that they've found so far has been American Airlines. They have designated honor flight hostesses or hosts, sort of like the head flight attendant. Um, it's somebody in nice. this gal. We just had such a great experience. She had decorated the plane, and we said, "We just love what you've done." And she said, "You know, you can request me." So we really we request her because she's just a doll, and she's wearing Uncle Sam red, white, and blue glasses, and the headband with the little Uncle Sam top hat, and a red dress. <laughs> and the whole plane is decorated, and it's it's a great experience. So to answer your question about the money, there's a board of directors of, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 people, and they are professional fundraisers. Fundraisers, right. And they all have real jobs. You know, some are in school. I know one's in law school. Some of them own trade businesses. One of them's an orthodontist. One of them's a fireman. <laughs> so they go around and have fundraisers or ask people for money. And that's what they do. And this board of directors and all the volunteers, there are no salaries. So everybody that does this is just strictly a volunteer. And um, So it's a non-for-profit. It's a non-for-profit. It's under the Honor Flight umbrella, so you have to be sanctioned and you know, to be in the Honor Flight program and call yourself Honor Flight. I mean, it's just a, it's, everything's about fundraising, of course, because it costs a lot of money. Absolutely. And that's why they charge for guardians. You know, you donate the money. You get to go if you'd like to go. Right. And then there are people that, that do go on the flight that I'm sure contribute after the fact. They don't want the veterans to pay for anything, but very often after the fact, they come, they return the favor, and they want to make sure somebody else gets to go. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Yes, yeah, because some of them have been blessed with 
good jobs, oh, and yeah. good ret- oh, well, retirement. This is this is a, this is a really great place to live. And there are a lot of people that have very comfortable lives in Southwest Florida, so it's it is nothing for them to stroke a wonderful check after the fact. So Collier County is Naples. Collier County is Naples, Marco Island, uh, Everglades City. But Collier County services all the way through Punta Gorda now. I believe there was a Punta Gorda on our flight. I don't. I believe that we are now taking all the people from Lee County and Charlotte County. So that's one of the things that I'm doing is trying to recruit people in the Benita Springs area to make sure they know because just because it says it's Collier County on our flight that they are allowed to go even though they live in Lee County or Charlotte County. Right, right. Yeah, that would that could be confusing to some people. So when you come home, describe to the listeners what happens when your plane lands back here. Well, typically there are a lot of we've built a lot of momentum and there are a lot of people in groups that show up the Knights of Columbus and the Coast Guard and retired groups and Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts and even um, like Daughters of the American Revolution anybody that has some sort of group and they start lining the hallways of the airport and it's not unusual for us to have 3,000 or more people show up for the welcome home the veterans have had a long day and some of them do not need to be in a wheelchair. We encourage wheelchair use throughout the day because it's, I would say it's not the walking, it's the standing. So when you have to stand at Arlington for half an hour, you know, number one, the rule is if you're in a wheelchair, you're up front. So it's a benefit. Oh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> and then number two, standing is difficult. So we get them all off the plane. We have to get all of our stuff off of the plane because we do travel like a small village with food, clothing, all those sorts of things, our own water. 100 wheelchairs, you know, there's a lot where we're moving a tiny nation at this point. So everybody gets off the plane, they get put in a wheelchair, and they're not, some of them aren't happy about it. And we're just like, one of the things that they do is they present them with a photo of the group that we took at the World War II memorial that they don't know they're going to be given. So they email it down, they run it to processing, they put it in a frame, and everybody gets this huge 8x10 photo of the whole group at the memorial. They're given a challenge coin that says Collier County Honor Flight, and they start walking off. And then I'll probably choke up. Oh, no. (laughs) The pipes and drums start, and then people just start screaming. What do they play? Well, I don't know. My joke is, how do you know when a bagpipe plays a wrong note? (laughs) (laughs) You don't. They usually play, you know, traditional songs. A lot of the time, while the the crowd is waiting, they are playing all of the uh, armed forces theme songs and the people that know the words. And a lot of the people that are waiting in line are veterans that have gone on flights before because they're wearing the shirts because they get issued a particular shirt as part of the group. So there are people that know all the songs and they play God Bless America and a lot of the standards. So they start playing as a means of leading the veterans off the plane. Kate Smith made God Bless America what the the song that it is. And I have a show coming up after yours where the, the woman who I interview, Cece Otto, is a World War I, World War II singer. Oh. She sings songs from, and she entertains through veterans associations and you know, American Legion and, and things like that. She comes and she does concerts all over the United States. She's amazing. And we were talking about that and she said, why don't you use God Bless America as your music in your podcast because there's no copyright on it anymore. No. Okay. And I thought, that might not be such a bad idea. Right. Because we don't want to go down the 
oh my goodness, we're saying that everybody's Christian route. But then most people were Mm -hmm. in the United States. So people, you have to take yourself back to that time and not be offended by the fact that, you know, there is some mention of God in a lot of military songs, especially from World War I and World War II. Well, I can tell you (laughs) that when you're with a plane load of these guys, they are kind of fed up with everybody being offended because they, you know... (laughs) They grew up in a different area. Now it's about hurting everybody's feelings and too dang bad. And they might not use the word dang. (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, and you're right. You're really right. So what time do you leave in the morning? Well, you know, it depends on, you know, what sort of volunteering you're doing. If you're a volunteer, I usually leave around 4.30 in the morning. I usually get up around 2.30 or 3. Um, Jerry, my friend, uh, typically starts volunteering at the Naples airport. So the veterans that live in Naples go to the Naples airport. They get signed in. There's a charter bus company that sends buses for free that takes these veterans in their buses from the Naples airport to the Fort Myers airport for the real airplane ride. So they don't realize they get sirens and lights from Naples. I mean, in, you know, wow. state troopers and everybody, it's it's quite a light show when they show up at the airport at four in the morning. They don't blend in at all. So <laughs> from anywhere from three in the morning onward. So um, my last veteran lived in Estero, Florida, which is just north of Bonita Springs. So I picked him up on the way and my daughter-in-law, Angela Griffith, went with me. And we picked up Frank, and we went to the airport, and there are volunteers that start in Naples and volunteers in Fort Myers. They sign everyone in and give the men their lanyards and their boarding pass and check them for a photo ID. And, yeah, it's it's quite a thing. You cannot believe that 100 and I think it was 168 people can move so fluidly. They've got it down to a science now. What time do you get back? We get back. Um, I, you know what? We, I was actually in bed before 11 o'clock the last time. Hmm. And that's what happens with American Airlines. <laughs> yeah, we'll give a big shout out. Hey, American I'm Airlines. you, because there were a couple times that, you know, we had a, some weather and we had flown into Baltimore and we've been flying into Reagan, which you're, you know, 10 minutes from the memorials, but Baltimore is a hike and there was weather and the other airline wasn't as efficient. And we found out later that we were the only flight that took off because we were chartered. No scheduled air flew. And we sat on the runway for like three hours yeah, mm. and it was a very late. I think at one forty we landed in the morning, and everybody was exhausted and sick and tired and hungry. And I, we were going down the runway, and you could see all the people. They waited. I know. <laughs> oh wow! Now you're gonna make me get. I know. Eye. I was I like, know. and that's what I did. I was. Oh my gosh! They waited. They really waited, and they were all there. And, and I guess people were like, you know, they they did the hard stuff, so we can stay up past our bit. Exactly. Now, when you get to the memorial, there's always a throng of people there. Yes. Always. Well, I think some of the cutest things, sometimes Senator Bob Dole is there. Um, He he wasn't at the last one. I guess he's under the weather. But then there are other people that show up in combat, combat gear, period, period pieces, and women dressed in clothing. And they have tubes of red lipstick, and they reapply after every guy, and they leave red kisses all over their faces. And do photo opportunities with them and go down and sing and dance and they pl- they've they got like little boom boxes playing period music it's a good time oh i bet it is so what are the t- the tourists though i'm thinking about the tourists they oh, must like yeah. just be well sometimes they the, in the airports alone if we've been there when tourists are trying to get off of a plane and they are caught up in three to five thousand people going what is going on <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Well, they let the tourists off first so that they wouldn't get caught up with the wheelchairs. And they're walking through this tube of people. And then we'd say, where are you from? And they would be like, New York. And everybody from New York would cheer and scream and applaud them. Welcome to Southwest Florida. And they think that that's just what happens <laughs> when the plane lands here. <laughs> I love it. That's great. That's really great. So, Chris, I mean, I know that people are probably thinking, how can I get in touch with her? I live in this area. So tell people how they can reach out to you. Well, you you know, first, if they're wondering about Honor Flight, you can just go to Honor Flight. Just Google it and look for it. There's a great movie also called Honor Flight the Movie, a documentary. You can probably buy it on Amazon for, you know, 5 or $10. Um, In Southwest Florida, you can just Google my name, Chris Griffith, um, Chris Griffith Real Estate or Chris Griffith Benito Springs. You should find a website. And if you're looking for Collier County Honor Flight, just Google Collier County Honor Flight. And you, you should find something about that and sign up. But it, even if you don't live here, you can find an honor flight hub near you. Right. So that if you know somebody that is um, that has served in World War II, male or female, um, they can go. Uh, they get preferential treatment. So they try to put the World War II veterans on the planes first, then Korean War veterans. Um, and, of course, anybody who is um, quite ill, if they're terminally ill, um, regardless of war, they go. They try to get them to the memorials so that they have an opportunity uh, before they they pass. Okay, that that explains a lot too. I mean, this is a monumental effort. I mean, we're dealing with people that are how old? They are really old. They're in their nineties if they're in World War Two, and um, you know the the eighties going into ninety. And there are some veterans that have served in two or three wars. We've had them where they've served in World War II, Korea, and in Vietnam. I know. I have an interview coming down the pike soon. Uh, <laughs> i got to tell you a funny story. His name is Bud, and he, he Skypes. Oh, nice. He's, um, I want to say he's only 87. Only, only. Only 87. And he told me, yeah, I don't think he's in his 90s yet. And he gets on Skype with me, which I was very impressed to begin right. with, right? And he says, I can't hear you, I can't hear you. And I said, do you wear hearing aids? Oh, I forgot to put it in. (laughs) And he puts his hearing aid in. And we're going to talk to him about it. He was in World War II. He was in the Pacific Theater. And he went on from there to Korea. And I think possibly Vietnam. He was a Marine. Mm -hmm. But he enlisted when he was 15. Yeah. A lot of these guys lied. (laughs) <laughs> to go. They're Bless patriots. Their hearts. They're true People patriots. don't understand it. Like, when you see all that goes on in the world, there are people, like, today, these are be the men that would, you know, lie about their age because they wanted to go and take care of it. We had somebody on our flight, on our last trip, that, that stormed the beach at Normandy. I mean, what what are your odds? What were your odds? I mean, he was a Elena Haystack survivor. Normandy is one of the most amazing places I've ever been when I've traveled to France, and... You know, it's the ramps that they brought things up on. I don't know what you call them. They're still there. They didn't think they would last this long. But they're still there, and all the bunkers are still there. And getting in a German bunker and looking down at the beach and realizing, you know, how it was just a target. You know, you you were just a standing target there. And the fact of the matter how long it took to put the entire Normandy invasion together, Mm -hmm. this didn't happen overnight. And, you know, and to, to free France, to free France and, and get the Germans out of there. My father was actually in France from uh, 1944 to 1945, I believe. And he um, chased Germans out, I mean, because the war was ending. And they had, that was their job. They were, well, 
escorting them back to their own country, shall we say. <laughs> but he actually, actually, because of part of the treaty, uh, helped start factories again mm-hmm. in Germany. Okay. Because you have to remember, people, as you're listening to this, that not everybody was in favor of the war. Not everybody right. was thinking that Adolf Hitler was the greatest thing in the world. And many people fought off his beliefs and didn't want to be a part of this war, so they were grateful mm-hmm. that the Americans came in and helped start up these factories again and get their lives back on track. I mean, war is hell, as they say. You know, it is. is and, and, you know, I wrote, I wrote some biographies for some veterans that were receiving an award a few months ago. I write a little bit, so they had asked me to write their biographies. And one of the fellas... He just said, I just remember how kind everybody was after the war. Even though the war was over and we were in a place that wasn't our home and we were enemies, they would feed the soldiers. They were kind to the soldiers because they also knew we were going to try to help them restore it. He goes, there was nothing but fragments of what their town were and they were still kind to us. But we were at war a week ago. And I was like, that's just, that's unheard of. As soon as we spoke with our American English in Normandy, as soon as Larry and I opened our mouths, people were still thanking us. Mm-hmm. Still thanking us for, and I'll get misty-eyed over that mm-hmm. one, because when you go to the American cemetery there in Normandy, it is mind-blowing to see all those crosses mm-hmm. or the Star of Davids. And they are separated. The Jewish section right. of, the, of the cemetery is all Star of Davids. And I was astounded to learn that the three families that live on the grounds are Americans, they drive American, they're U.S. citizens, they drive U.S. automobiles with the plates of the state that they're from because that cemetery, along with other cemeteries all over the world, belongs to us. Mm -hmm. It's U.S. territory. So I guess if you were in France and you just wanted to... You could have asylum mm-hmm. at the cemetery. Imagine mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I'm not encouraging anybody to do that, but the, yeah, it, it's U.S. soil, so that that was nice. The statue of Eisenhower in the circle, mm-hmm. you know, um, it was just amazing to see. You know, just to see. I mean, and to realize that you're walking on the beach, the same beach that mm-hmm. these people died on. Yeah. Well, you know, there are so many of us that don't know what it's like to have to be liberated from, you know, war or oppression. And the people that are in that circumstance, I think they never forget it. You know, as a matter of fact, first veteran I went to Washington with, we were on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. And he was a Korean War veteran. He was wearing a hat that said Korean War veteran on it. And a Korean family came to him. They spoke no English. And they hugged and kissed him and asked for a picture in motion because they didn't speak the language and he took a picture with them and I'm like all these years later they were grateful that you know that he went over there and he did his part people don't always realizing no or realize that and keeping this alive is so important I've spoken with several people in the history area of this world you know historians who say we have to keep World War II alive because number one it was a devastating event and Mm -hmm. it can never be allowed to happen again and number two, you learn from it, you know, and that's why I wanted to perpetuate. Mm-hmm. That's why Tom Brokaw wrote The Greatest Generation. Right. Shout out to Tom Brokaw, because I would love eventually to have him on this show. You know, that's, <laughs> anybody who knows him, you know. You just have to put it out there. Yeah, put it out there. That's what we're doing. Putting it back. <laughs> I know, I know. And, you know, the honor flight is just, it's just amazing. So I think I'm going to try and get Larry and I to do a little bit out of Tampa and see if mm-hmm. uh, once in a while we couldn't. You know, spread our wings, so to speak. Of and, course. And become a guardian for the honor flights. But that's a lot of work, Chris. You must be exhausted. I mean, you're in good health. 
And you, you must be terrifically exhausted when you get home. It's a long day. It's a long day, but it, you know, it's always been worth it. I don't know, even you know, if I if I physically cannot do it, there's so many other things you can do to be involved with the honor flight. As much as they have a, a meet and greet session where you meet your veteran, well, those people get signed in and walk to the correct table. So there's something for everybody to right. do. There's always something. I mean, and I help Jerry coordinate the veterans because just because of my proficiency with the computer. <laughs> I'm I'm an unpaid administrator, so I, I know that there's a lot of things for veterans or volunteers to do to help the veterans. Yeah, and that's something we could do. I mean we could I'm assuming they probably go out of Tampa International Airport. I would imagine. That, yeah, and that we could go down there and do that or be there when they come back or mm-hmm. be there when they oh, leave. Absolutely. It would be a really big thrill. I wonder if Larry's dad served. We'll have to ask him that. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Chris is a friend. We're going to go out to dinner after this. <laughs> We're going to talk. That's right. We're going to catch up. But, yes, Chris, it's been a lot of fun. Oh, my pleasure. I love the fact that, that you're doing this, that um, I know that we didn't cry. We didn't cry. I did a little bit. Well, a little bit, you know, and that it's uh, just something so important to educate people about. So anybody who's listening, if you want to know about more about this, Chris gave you a lot of different ways. They'll be in the show notes summaries. You can also reach me at Carol with an E, Lynn with an E, Sanic at gmail.com, and I'll be happy to answer any questions you might have or steer you in the right direction <laughs> as to becoming a volunteer, a guardian, mm-hmm. or maybe you have a family member who's entitled to be... Well, you know, it just might be somebody that's walking around your neighborhood, like my buddy Sam. I just asked him one day. Well, I learned. I learned. Right. Tell the story about Sam. I I learned. I learned a long time ago. The best thing to do is to walk up to an older gentleman and say, "Hey, you didn't happen to serve during the Korean War?" Because they get a little offended if. They were old enough to be in World War II. And he said, no, I was in, I served in World War II. I said, what'd you do? Artillery. And I said, well, I've got something for you to do. So I signed him up. He doesn't think that he wants, you know, he's like, eh, I don't know if I'm that excited. He doesn't know how excited he's going to be. So I saw him this morning at the grocery store. He goes in about a month. He's going to have a good time whether he wants to or not. <laughs> You're gonna throw him in that chair. That's right. I'm gonna, you know, he's, you know what? He is really fit and he is really mobile. He is not gonna be having that chair. So I will be pushing a chair around with my backpack in it. And if push comes to shove, he's gonna be pushing me around in the wheelchair. No puns there. If push comes to shove, <laughs> let me ask you this: is I that just generated another question in my mind? I assume that they all get very emotional. No, you know they're very quiet. Really, and I actually had an opportunity to sit beside a fella. And his father had been a CEO of a major, major cereal brand. And he he wrote the whole time on his iPad. He goes, I didn't know any of this about my father. I basically watched him write a novel. He goes, my brothers and sisters aren't going to believe. There's five of us. None of us know this. And it opened up this stuff. He goes, you know, he this man put food on America's table for over 20 years as the CEO of a corporation. And didn't know and what his father did? He had no idea. He had no idea. Um, and he hadn't. And the the other brothers and sisters don't know. And it wasn't until they got him on this trip that he started going, you know, I was here, I was there, I did this, I did that. And some people did some really difficult things, and they never talked about it with their family, you know? Exactly. Like freeing, freeing the concentration camps. Exactly. I believe that he was actually there. Yes. that I know. I've read those stories. My father never talked about what he did, but I have photos of him holding a rifle on his shoulder, you know, so they were fully trained, obviously, mm-hmm. of going to combat. 
but he never talked about it either. I know that um, Vet Rex, that's the that's their name online. They'll trace your war history. Okay, you know all that. But there was also a fire, and they lost a lot of. Mm-hmm. They norm they said to me in my request um, six weeks. Well, it's been three months, so oh. I'm feeling that they're probably not going to find them. But we were so blessed that my father's com- company A, B, and C in his 606th engineers camouflage unit. I had a long title. Um, that they, the War Department had done this caricature kind of drawing. It's hysterical. And told stories about everybody who served. Everybody who served is in, is in this story somewhere. There's a experience of leaving Boston and arriving in France and then coming back to uh, Norfolk in Virginia. I mean, something, you know, and funny stories, funny stories, you know. And so I have that. The caricature is actually online. I've seen it online, so other people have it too. And the duffel bag that I keep all my father's war records that I have and his letters mm-hmm. and things like that has somebody else's name on it. Oh. So I thought about trying to find that person, or at least their family. Right. And this caricature also has the name of and address of everybody who is in those companies. Oh. So maybe with a little luck, I might be able to right. still find some families and get their memories, their stories. Maybe somebody is still with us. And I think they just buried the first female pilot in Arlington. Oh, okay. I think I just saw something about that, that they are finally going to allow, allow, I love that word when it comes to women, allow women pilots to be buried at Arlington. So we are making progress here. You know, we are making progress. Good job, Chris. It's Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you. Oh, my pleasure. If you need anything, just let me know. I will. Thanks. And now, because I always close the show with a letter home from my dad, this one came on some crazy, like, microfiche paper. It was shrunk down. I don't quite understand it. It's very interesting. I may be stumbling over some of the words. February 2nd. Hello, sweetheart. Darling, here's the first of what will be, what looks like to be, many letters from my new home here in France. I find myself at a loss of what to say or rather write about, as censorship is rather strict. The weather is quite chilly, and though we were something or other, I can't make out the writing there, I find it difficult to keep warm. I've seen some interesting sights, but I'll have to tell you about them when we're together again. Darling, here it is only about three weeks since we were together, and yet it seems a whole lot longer. But I will not be discouraged, darling, for I know that before long we will be together forever after. Please excuse the scribbling, as it's hard to write, and let me know just how long this letter takes to reach you. I'll write tomorrow. Until then, with love, Willie. there you have it. Chris and I were hard-pressed not to cry at times. We did cry. We teared up. We didn't cry. Boo-hoo cry. But we did tear up. I tear up whenever I watch videos that Chris posts or pictures that she posts about the honor flights that she participates in. The one where she took the veterans to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier and laid the wreath. 
That was very, very emotional. I'll be in Washington, D.C. in a couple weeks. I'm very excited because I can't wait to actually podcast live from the World War II Memorial. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening. I promise I won't be gone as long next time. I'm thinking that maybe every other week I will put up a new episode. And I have a really good one coming up soon with Cece Otto, the singer, the woman who sings songs from the era of World War I, and they go into World War II also. In the meantime, thank you again. I'll be back soon. I promise. <laughs>